0: Hey, everybody, this is Ty from the band Sink In. You don't care about us, though. You care about Stay Tuned with Troy and Howie.
1: Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Stay Tuned with Troy and Howie. Please like us on Facebook, where you can click the anchor link to leave us a voicemail. You can follow us on Twitter at Stay Tuned TNH. You can even email the show at Stay Tuned TNH at gmail.com. We appreciate your support. Now let's get into the show.
2: All right. Well, good morning. Welcome to another week of stay tuned with Troy and Howie. In fact, it's week number twenty one. Troy, I can't believe you're still keeping track of them. <laughs> well, I I have to because whenever I uh, whenever I oh, get when you in load the stuff in, yeah, uh, yeah, they have they ask for what episode number so. So I tend to, you know, keep track and, you know, number 21 is something that sticks out to me. So what can I say?
1: Yeah? You like that number, huh? I do. I
2: do. wore that number during uh all my playing career in baseball and uh Roberto Clemente, I mean, you name it, number 21 is uh is a pretty special number. So well, hopefully this will be
1: a special episode, right?
2: That's right. It's going to be, I think. And yeah, it's going to be a real special episode. Uh, well, And I know that because we already interviewed the guy. So, um, but yeah Ty, yeah, Ty Eshelman, man, I didn't uh, didn't know what to expect going into that interview because uh, I, number one, I didn't really know too much about him. Well, I knew nothing about him, um, mm-hmm. you know, and then once talking to him, it was just real interesting kind of hearing his thought process and in how to monetize off his business and and to keep it going, and compare it to, you know, how how they produce music compared to like someone in the rock business, so to speak.
3: Mm-hmm. And
2: mm-hmm. and I think I got a better understanding of why maybe the uh, the rock era is dwindling.
1: Yeah, um, he gave insight into that for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, now I'm going to call him a kid because I've known him since he was a kid. Um, I haven't seen him in 20 years since that, but um, yeah. But um, he's a good kid. He he seemed like he really had a you know has a good head on his shoulders. He knows what he wants to do. He seems like he has a nice uh, plan laid out ahead of him. Yep. And um, you know we'll hear all about that in the interview. Yeah. Um,
2: you also hear that he pays way too much in rent. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why That that stuck in my head For a little bit too It's like man Are you kidding me
3: Yeah
1: Um, Yeah that's That's a little crazy But I I guess You pay for
3: Your luxuries Right And It's all about location uh, His his luxury Is his
1: location And his location Is in Los Angeles And that's where He wants to be Yeah So You know
2: More power (laughs) to him If he can I guess if you
1: can Exactly If you can afford it And live there And that's what you want to do Then go at it yeah, you know. exactly. So,
2: all right. So you know what? Well, speaking of uh, Ty, why don't we uh, jump into our uh, mystery clip? And uh, sure, absolutely. And Let's do that. It from there. All right. So uh, this is uh this is our mystery clip for the week, and uh, which
1: isn't much of a mystery. Let's just no, put it out there. No, it's yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. We're we're already talking about them.
1: <laughs> hint hint. Uh,
2: yeah. And yeah, so we'll we'll uh, play you the mystery clip uh, right after this message.
3: been fading for so long, so long, had to be me you always say, you push me away, you push me away, for someone to blame, I can't replace the bottles i take down, who's the victim, who's the victim, the cars are close to close the money,
2: All right, and Troy, go ahead. You do the honors. You know hey, that.
1: that was that was uh, sink in. Uh, the band sink in, and the song was Ghost. And uh, that's he's the, the lead singer is Ty Eshelman, who who you're about to hear the interview for here just a little bit.
2: Yeah, and it was kind of interesting too. And you know what? Actually, we'll we'll talk about we'll talk about uh, a little bit of the recap afterwards. I guess. Sure. But uh, so why don't we just uh, jump right into it?
3: And let's uh, go for it.
2: And uh, play this. Uh, Interview with Ty Ashelman of Sink In. All right, well, hey, uh, good evening, or I guess, uh, what is it, afternoon, where you are, Ty? Four in the afternoon, bright and sunny, 100-degree uh, day in October. Oh, man, you suck. I hate you. <laughs> um, and where is that?
0: <laughs> uh, Los Angeles. I'm uh, Nice. Just outside, uh, it's, it's called Granada Hills, in the, in the valley right over the mountain, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's beautiful. Um, awesome. This, this this right here is the reason. One of the main reasons why I moved here is that it's the middle of October and my whole family just got out of the pool.
2: So. Oh, I'm <laughs> sorry. <you laughs> can't I'm do that. Sorry to hear that. Yeah. Oh,
0: what a bummer. Yeah. Right?
2: I, yeah We'd yeah. probably it's die of frostbite life. out here. Well, <laughs> although I will say it's been it was like in the mid 70s today here in Pennsylvania. So yeah, it was yeah. nice today. Yeah. yeah. So and uh, and you're so, uh, obviously originally and I'm sorry. Your name is Ty Eshelman. And, yeah, uh, yep, and me. You're living out in Los Angeles, and you're you're part of uh, what band?
0: Yeah, so I sing for a band called Sink In.
2: Okay. Nice. And what
1: would you describe that genre music tie? That
0: that's the uh, the question that will never be answered. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's like you know uh, we call it we call it pop rock because that's easy, and then it doesn't make people think twice about not listening to it if they're remotely close to that style of genre but you know it's, it's it''s it's really weird because the the band is is formulated of people from all over the country from completely different walks of life so like our what we bring to the table in terms of sound and what we've been brought up with are all from complete different spectrums mm-hmm. so it's why it's it's why we end up with like the strange middle ground sound that we always have because you know we, we, we come in with this perspective of like all right this is exactly what we're gonna try and make. Yeah. But you have three people who are trying to approach making this specific sound with three completely different backgrounds. Wow. So um, that's kind of why we ended up in this weird mesh of pop rock where the vocals are kind of R&B, but the guitars are really like metalcore almost, <laughs> but it's, a, it's got like punk drums. It's just all over the place.
3: Yeah. That's, that's
0: what I tried telling Howie
1: when uh, I sent him a couple links to some of your songs. And then after he listened to him, I said, "I said, what do you? I said it's different, right? It's like there's nothing really kind of like it. it. It's it's got its own little unique sound to it, and it most has an emo feel to it a little mm-hmm. bit. Like yeah. um, it, it's, I like it. I, I th- you guys are,
0: I like where you're going, guys. Well, you I know really what? Like that, it, oh. it,
2: it has it has what I would call like an organized sound, though. If that yeah. makes sense, uh,
0: that's a that's a thing where that that's the most difficult thing when it comes to trying to f- to formulate a sound that is." kind of in this this gray area of genre mm-hmm. is that you can get you can end up completely missing who you are.
2: Okay. You know, there's
0: a lot of acts that try and pull off the kind of the lane that we're in and from album to album from single to single they just sound like completely different people, which in terms of development like if you're building a fan base and you're constantly changing in an upward scale that's okay, but like if you're just kind of always Coming out of nowhere and there's nothing to tie the sound together. Right. Uh, that that's how you lose an audience. That's how you, you 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 grow stagnant because nobody knows what's happening next, and it's not necessarily the best thing. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Okay. And and you had mentioned that. Uh, when did you guys form this band? And were you did you form this band from Los Angeles or was this in the works no. for a while?
0: So um, I'm originally from Hershey, Pennsylvania. Hmm. Um, and uh, the first rendition of this band happened uh, mid-2015. Uh, I was touring in a different, like, pop-punk band out of high school that did like kind of like the warp Tour circuit. And uh, yeah. I, I knew I wasn't done with music, and I just started calling uh, my favorite musicians that played shows with my old band across the country. Oh, okay. Literally just, you know, Cabretti, who is still our guitarist today, I he was... Uh, in school down in Memphis and he like opened up a show that, that we had played and I just remembered how crazy this ginger was. I specifically <laughs> re- remember the reason why I, re- I remember him was this was an outdoor show yeah. and they had a grill beside the stage where they were just cooking everything for the oh, bands, oh, wow! and he was playing a solo and had somebody come up and start feeding him
3: <laughs> for the <fork laughs> in
0: the middle of the show. That is too funny. And that's the only thing That's the only thing that I remembered. so I'm like, you know what? That guy's wild. Let me try and just call him real quick. And I literally, (laughs) like, like, from the thought until being on the phone with him was 10 minutes. And I was just like, look, I know you remember me. Uh, I'm not done yet. I want to start a new project. Do you want to quit school and come back to Pennsylvania to write a record with me? And Hmm. he was in Pennsylvania within three weeks.
3: Oh, wow. Uh, That was
0: like kind of the, yeah, that's kind of the concept of, this entire band, Josh, same thing. He, mm-hmm. he opened up uh, for a Sinkin' show early on when we got started, in, like the first rendition. Uh, really, who Sinkin' is now kind of started, it was really the Nucleus uh, began making music together in 2018.
2: Okay. Okay. Um,
0: and, and and not to leave your other two bandmates out, what were their names again, just to throw that out there? Josh and Cabretti.
2: Josh okay. o, and
0: Cabretti. Cabretti is still in Pennsylvania and uh, Josh mm. is in the middle of absolute nowhere in Southern <laughs> Illinois. I mean, he's, uh, he is one of like population 12 in his town. Uh, is, he, is he originally Pennsylvania guy too or no? No, yeah, no. He's not okay. Out there. Okay. Wow. Yeah. He's a uh, big 6'3 guy covered in tattoos who plays in a band uh, in the midst of uh, – a uh, sixty-five and up farmers demographic. and He absolutely wouldn't have it any other way. That's great.
2: Sounds like he fits right uh, in.
0: Yeah, absolutely. In Southern So that's Iowa. that's the roots. That's the roots of uh, the band, I
1: guess. What, what are you, what are your roots, Ty? I mean, obviously uh, you said you were you grew up in Hirsch, Pennsylvania. I knew that. Um, I did fill Halley in on that. But kind of tell us uh, how music just kind of came into your life and where it all started for you and and how it developed.
0: Yeah. So um, I I was an athlete my whole life uh, all the way up through high school and that was kind of like the all, truly the only thing I I, I cared about in my life is just being a basketball player mm. and uh, I had a pretty significant injury uh, my freshman year of high school and I just needed um, just needed an outlet I you know it was summer and I, I I couldn't play I was in a wheelchair for a while I had a like, <laughs> surgical procedure done it was just. You know, I just needed something new, and I just kind of stumbled upon some friends that like dragged me to a punk rock show. Yeah, um, <laughs> and I remember the first, the first, the first show I ever went to was at a place called Chameleon Club in Lancaster, <laughs> and uh, they they just announced the Chameleon Club is, is having to shut down right yeah, now. It's that. like it's, it's really, yeah. really sad. But um, yeah. you know, my my first show was like a metalcore show in 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 Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and I was instantly hooked. Like my buddy's dad brought us and like right off the bat in a, in a, in a pit, uh, <laughs> for the opening act, somebody slapped him, slapped his dad in the face. Oh, and my he was like, I was like, literally just, just a big old, just open hand slap. Oh, and he God. was like, I had enough. I'm going, you guys have fun. So like we all <laughs> of a sudden just had our moment and, um, I was hooked from then on and just started, <laughs> just started playing in like metal bands, um, for a while in high school just cause I wanted to be involved, but I didn't, I, geez, I sucked. I sucked at singing. That's why I was in metal band, just because I was just so I could like feign screaming, ah, but yeah. I couldn't do that either because you know, there's more technique involved in screams than there are regular singing. You know, I was just just yelling. I was just yelling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, we would go and play shows where I didn't even have lyrics for songs. I was just yelling, <laughs> but like there was just something so just like that's funny, freeing in that moment. Um, in this like very uh, tumultuous time in my life and I just kind of never stopped. I had a business mindset always anyway so like my first band we literally we had like a t-shirt for sale before we even made a song and recorded like oh you know. <laughs> so like it kind of it kind of always it worked for me to actually try and make a transition into doing this for a career just cuz it's where my mind, my brain was always that's how my brain always operated.
2: Mm-hmm. And before um, and before so, covid were you were you able to make this a career? Like
0: um, yeah, I mean, so we're in a spot right now with sink in where we all, you know, if we toured 24 uh-huh. seven,
2: uh,
0: we, you know, we, we would be solid. We're just not, you know, geez, we, we, also want to have regular lives too, to combine at home, you know, we right. want to have families at home and, and have a, have a house and things of that nature. And, um, uh, so we kind of combine it, uh, when I'm not on the road, uh, I usually have some, job. Uh, it's been a little weird since moving to, to LA. Uh, just kind of always just had like a, some form of business job and sales. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Just, just when I'm home, um, just to combine the two so that you can kind of live both lives. Um, the goal is to get there. So when uh, I, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm at home, I don't have to worry about making ends meet. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, COVID has kind of made that difficult for us for sure. Yeah.
3: Sure. Um,
0: but yeah, that's where we are and I've been doing it now for be- between the two bands I've been, I've been touring now for the better part of 8 years. Yeah. Um, oh wow. I mean I my I've, my first tour was at 17 and then I mean it was 4 days after my graduation I went on like a 3 month run went out went out to the west coast mm-hmm. we just lived in the van and just kind of <laughs> started the whole DIY playing bars punk rock lifestyle for a while until wow. so we started growing. Is that is that when you pretty much put your roots out in the West Coast there then that right after that or or was that for recent? reason that, That's a weird story. So um, <laughs> I I moved out to L.A. once before, um, and I you know no money, just packed enough to get to get a flight and get stuff that I needed, and I had enough money for one rent or for one month's rent, and I I found a spot in a house full of like eight guys that I knew. One of, the, mm-hmm. one of the rooms was open, said, all right, I've got, a, I've got my, my one-way ticket. I'm going to go and just bring everything I have, and I'm just going to start my life out in L.A. And I show up. I'm laying there on, like, the couch in this room on the first night, just showed up in L.A., and this big, burly guy comes through the door. He goes, who the hell are you? I'm, like, uh, I'm Ty. I'm the new tenant it's really nice to meet you. What's going on? He goes, we don't have space for a new tenant. <laughs> like, what do you mean? Like the room's right here. He's like, yeah, no, we have somebody moving in tomorrow. Like, yeah, that's, that's me. <laughs> yeah. it, I'm the guy. He's like, no, no, you have one night here. You need to go. Nobody, nobody from the house approved this with the landlord. Oh my gosh. So I had moved out to LA and I was just told, I was like, look, I can't, I gotta have more than one night. I literally just came out like, can I have like a week? And he said I had until Thursday, which was like three days. (laughs) So I had literally, I mean, I had no shot. I had no shot. Um, So I lived there on that couch for three days, uh, just trying to find a job. Luckily, I had a friend out here who was away in college, and she had her, her room at her parents' house was a separate room from the rest of the house. It looked like it was almost kind of like an old garage. Uh So it had a completely separate entrance from the house. And she was away at college. So she said, look, if you go in every night, like after like 1030, everybody's in bed. The baby's in bed. They'll never know. I already have my bed and everything still set up there. (laughs) Uh, So, I mean, for months, I just would be out and about carrying all my stuff. And I waited until the whole family went to bed. And then I would hop their fence and I would go and I would sleep in the garage. <laughs> yeah. And I did, it for, I did that for months. Um, oh, wow. eventually, I sa- eventually, I saved enough to, uh, to buy a little mom van. Then I started living in the van. And I did that for a few months. Um, went on, then I went on tour, left the van there at a, at a friend's place. And the van was towed. And oh, no. I never, had a, I never had enough money to get insurance, to register it, or anything. Uh, the van was towed, so they essentially were towing away my house, <laughs> and I was like, "I gotta kind of start from scratch." So, moved back home. Uh, it, was, it was it was good that I moved back to Pennsylvania at that time because we started really touring uh, hard. I mean, that year we we had we I mean, we were on the road for over, over you know I think, I think it was over two hundred and twenty days. Mm. Uh, wow! So it was that that was no time to be paying for rent in Los Angeles anyway. When we were jumping out that far, right? Yeah. Uh, well, so I coming moved. Him, you're on the road so much anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I moved back there for a while. Lived in in uh, lived just outside of Chicago in Valparaiso, Indiana, for a while with my now fiance, and kind of we eventually just made our way back out here two years ago. So
2: okay, you know, and it's wh- been a wh- weird the journey reason? with living out here. What is the reason for coming out to LA specifically?
0: Um. Th- there's a lot. the The main reason being, this is the greatest place on the planet, and I love living here. Okay. That's just the honest. That's just the honesty of it. You know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if it wasn't, if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't be sitting here paying five times rent of what I had <laughs> back in the You know. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's just not it logistic. It logistically, it just doesn't make sense at all. But if you love it, you love it. Yeah. Um. Additionally, I, I you know, I am very much the the business side of the band when it comes to. Uh, I mean, just all, all, you know, all the business decision-making and I wanted to be available out here because inevitably this is just where the majority of our business happens. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, it's just an easy way for me to be accessible, um, when it comes to everything related to, to the business.
3: Hmm. So
0: I, I I go back with you a little bit. Um, yeah,
1: I'd worked at the school that you were, um, you know, a student at. And, um, also I got to know your dad a little bit, um, not on a real personal level, but just um, when he was coaching high school basketball in our area. He coached a couple different teams in our area, correct? Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, he, he coached for over 35 years. He's got a wild history, a state title run, and it, you know, that's uh, kind of runs in the family.
1: Do, do you remember what year that was when they won the state title? Because Howie and I were talking about this, and he has a friend that he thinks was on that team.
0: It was the year I was born, 1994-1995 season.
2: Okay. Is that right, Howie? So, yeah. Well, I believe that's the only state title they have at Anvil, right?
0: Well, they lost that year. They uh, they oh. went to the state title and lost. Uh, and then Dad was actually not back the next year because they weren't able to offer him a, uh, a teaching position. Okay. Uh, so he did he did that whole he did that whole run not having a teaching position. Gotcha. He was just dude just coaching and that, that was wow. wasn't able to pay the bills. Uh, and then I think it was two years later that they did go back to the state title mm-hmm. one.
3: Yeah. Uh, so was... he
0: wasn't the coach of the state title team. He was the coach of the runner up team. They, they, they were the runner up squad. Yeah. Okay. Okay.
2: okay. Yeah, because that was yeah. the uh, team that's that uh, a friend of mine played on. He played on that state title team. And I was just like, oh, that's cool if that was your dad that was the coach.
1: But
0: Yeah. Well, I guess, he, well, he probably he still started. was on that team, though.
1: Possibly. Right? He was uh, probably still on that runner up team. Because you said that was two years later?
0: I think it was two, two or
1: three. Yeah. Okay. So okay. either way, it's all yeah, matter. It's just, but I just, I, I, I was trying to tie some
0: dots there, but it didn't work out so much. <laughs> yeah. My, my dad, my dad's actually coaching uh, again out here in California. He hasn't coached basketball in like eight years. Oh, wow. and uh, oh, so he's my, so did he follow you my, out there. Or did you follow yeah. Him out? My, my whole family, my ha- my whole family moved out here at the same time on my dad's side. So literally this is this, this stem from a conversation of we went, we went to back to my dad's house one night and uh, just my, myself and my now fiance, and we were we were going to sit down and tell them that we wanted that we were going to make the move to California. Okay. And like kind of right at the same time, basically they they my my dad, my stepmom, and then my little brother uh, they told me almost the same exact time, hey, well, we're going to move out to California. <laughs>
3: Get out of here. <laughs> yeah,
0: wow. yeah. So I, I took them I took them on a vacation out to LA the summer before. I had to be mm-hmm. out here for like a full week. We just we played a show, and then I was just out here for a week for all sorts of business. So decided, hey, why don't you guys all come out? We'll go. We'll all go get in a, uh, a hotel together and just kind of go do all the LA stuff. Hmm. And I think that they fell in love with it right there. Yeah, um, and it kind of a, it aligned perfectly. Wow. So uh, they good. they all moved they all moved out out here. Uh, my little brother's in high school out here now. My stepmom teaches out here. My dad is retired, but he just got back into coaching last year. Um, he just he just like snagged just like a local JV team hmm. uh, mm-hmm. and they went twenty three and two. Oh and all of a sudden he's ahead So like it's a thing where look in in Los Angeles it's it's hard to get hired out here because it's, it's it's some of the best high school sports on the planet. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. So there's this sixty five year old man who just starts coaching again. He's not going to get an opportunity, at, you know, as a head coaching job out here right off the bat. I'm not coaching for almost ten years, mm-hmm. uh, and that changed in in. Three hundred and fifty days. Okay. That's crazy. <laughs> that's crazy. So he's a he's a coach again now. All of a sudden, yeah,
1: yeah. Good for him. Good yeah, for him.
0: That's really and now
1: cool. it's 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 a high school team now though. Yeah, yeah. High okay.
0: school girls team. He's he's on the girls side of things. Okay. Yeah, because he was always on the boys side, right? Yeah, yeah. For, uh, for that's got to be a little different. different. Yeah, uh, he he had a couple. Of, he had like two or three years of coaching girls previously, uh, mm-hmm. but it's a it's a it's a whole new world for sure mm-hmm. for him. But that's he's excited. Awesome. And that, that's good.
2: So speaking a whole new world with you, with uh, COVID being around and all that stuff. And from what I understand, California is even more shut down than Pennsylvania. Uh, Yeah. 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 And uh, so with that being said, you know, are you, while you're home and, and basically stuck and not being able to tour, do you find now that you have more time to write your music and get things together? Or what's going on with that process right now while you wait? for uh, the days to open again.
0: Yeah, so um, we kind of quite literally quarantined ourselves in the studio uh, early on. Okay. Um, so we actually had, we were on tour March 13th when like the real shutdown happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the rest of the tour was canceled. We just had to take a big loss and just drive everything back home from, from New Mexico. Yeah. Um, so we kind of made a game plan right away. Uh, I don't know why, I just had an intuition that this was going to be a lot longer than people expected, mm-hmm. uh, so right away we you know we decided okay let's like get into the studio and just be there just for like a month and just uh, you know we weren't prepared to be in the studio yet it wasn't like we had a pilot you know we always have demos but it's not like we kind of we, we weren't like okay this is the time we're going to go record you know
3: right.
0: he just said let's just show up let's just make it happen and see what happens so uh, in we we were in the studio for about a month and just. No expectations, no total amount of songs we wanted to do. We just said, let's just show up and just start working and just see what happens.
2: Okay. Uh, and how does that so, process look now with everybody spread out throughout the country?
0: Yeah. Well, no, I mean, we were so, – so we recorded everything all at the same place in the, mm-hmm. in the studio for a month. And now then we all went home. Uh, the difficult thing wasn't so much that studio time. It's um, everything afterwards. You know, we're, we're operating this this business that is a very cohesive business be, between three different states all across the country. Sure. So yes. things have things have gotten very complex in terms of the stuff you don't think about, uh, music videos, for example. We're yeah. Having to shoot in three different locations and create content and visuals, you know, in, in ways that that it doesn't feel it doesn't feel strange
3: yeah uh, mm-hmm.
0: but that's, a, that's a difficult thing to do like we're doing a video right now where the three of us are, are are being filmed in our home states but what we're doing is we found a way to create this uh plot line in which we are just kind of pieced into it mm-hmm. and we have a filmmaker out in utah who is shooting everything there and then just Putting us in, oh my gosh! Um, You guys are just like running on like green screens and stuff type thing. Kind of, yeah. So like, it's a the whole thing is actually it's kind of like he's he's building um, miniature size sets, (laughs) and then and then uh, placing us in the sets. That's crazy. We needed so like it's like he's been sending us. He's working on right now this giant ship scene. Yeah, the ship is a foot and a half long. it's going to shoot everything real up, uh, real tight, and we're going to be placed in it. Oh um, my gosh! Which is crazy. That is but crazy. But that just takes that just takes time, and it's, it's all these extra things that we have to work on that you're just not used to doing. Yeah. Right.
2: Um, so but, uh, yeah. So when have Troy you guys looking to do it? I'm sorry. Go ahead. ahead. I was just going to say. So when Troy and I were kids, you know, obviously MTV was the big deal, and so music videos were a real big deal. What, like, what is your thought process with doing music videos now when maybe, you know, like what is the gain from doing such, um, such things like music videos in today's day and age?
0: So I wouldn't say necessarily that music videos uh, in, in, in like the, the purest form are not a necessity now. Visuals are in our necessity okay so what i mean by that is that can that can mean a music video sure uh but that can mean a million different things and and the reason being is that it's just so easy now to create visual content for small artists and all the way up through large artists So like the, the playing field has been evened in that way so you always have to find a way to support your art with additional art pieces that are constantly selling it Mm -hmm. um just because everybody has access to it it used to be that you only got music videos when you've got a $30,000 budget to make like a music video right Right. now a rapper down the street can just rent a car for 30 bucks and (laughs) shoot it on his iPhone and it looks unbelievable yeah it does right? right you know so um so everything that you release now like we just put out a we just put out a little single right now without a visual and it was honestly just kind of it's like a quite frankly, just a little bit of a throwaway single. It was just something extra we had on hand. We're like, let's Mm -hmm. put it out. But, you know, that song's doing nowhere near the numbers that we usually do. Yeah. Because it doesn't have all those accessory pieces that we didn't invest in. You know, we have, Mm -hmm. we're sitting on the, like we have a rollout now of of a new single basically every six weeks and everyone is going to have, you know, the single released a visual for it, an additional visual for it, an acoustic version with a visual, a live visual. Like you're taking your one selling piece and you're recreating it with five different ways, and just constantly blasting that out there. Okay. Um, you know but you're you're able to do that now, which means that you can't not do it, or else you're gonna you're gonna you're going to get passed up all the time. Interesting. I get, what I was going to ask um,
1: there before Howie rudely interrupted me.
3: <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> no,
1: <laughs>
0: what I was going to ask was: um, Have you guys thought about trying to do any virtual shows or anything like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my my, uh, my guitarist built uh, a whole streaming studio in his garage in Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. uh, mm. and that he's been kind of testing it with some of the local bands, letting them come in for free. And uh, we're going to do that too, but we're going to do that after we release all these new songs. Gotcha. We have a, we have a we have a game plan for how we're going to have some growth here uh, with these songs, and we want to capitalize on that growth with then having uh, the sh- the show. Um, kind of just counterintuitive to do a live show now and then have a bunch of singles coming up after it you know yeah. Uh, but yeah we are we are going to do that uh, and if I remember correctly year. didn't you say didn't you say you had one coming out pretty soon here right yeah next next month next uh, month okay really that's just, when it's going to start that's when you're going to start your six week thing yeah awesome right. hmm. um, yeah no album just singles every six week. especially now uh, with everybody at home the album is kind of uh, you can't you know, the whole point of albums is you release an album and then you tour on it and you have this this, this piece to, to sell and promote for a two-year cycle. Right. We, we don't know when we're going to be able to tour again. It doesn't make sense right. for us to put out an album with the content because we're not going to be able to capitalize on, like, truly selling it as a whole. Um, so we're just doing – I mean, the six-week intervals means that, you know, for the next eight months, you're going to have nothing but sink in all the time. It's going to feel like we're constantly having a new song that's about to come out. And that's the, that's the, the whole thing. We want waves Mm waves all the time now there's no way to get out of it right now you know (laughs) so that actually brings up a good point and uh,
1: some of the other podcasts and such i listen to when they talk to musical artists or talk about musical artists is is the album um Mm -hmm. a lot of times they say oh well the producer put these songs together on the album in this perfect order and everything meshes together so well do you think that's as vital in in the streaming days as it as it was when it was literally
0: just an album that you had to play track by track by track So the artist in me will always say yes, because I love the concept of an album. Mm -hmm. Uh, I love the body of work that extends uh, across these these multiple different platforms and and everything that goes into the art and all these collective music videos and how you connect all these songs together. Uh, It will never go in the way in the fact that that art form is something special. Mm-hmm. But the the value of it is next to zero at this point. That's, That's what um, I figured out. You know, the, I mean, geez, like, to me, the, the number one plan of attack right now is artists, you know, you used to put out like one or two singles and then drop an album and then you maybe did a third right. single for radio afterwards. Mm-hmm. Now artists will put out six songs as singles. And then all of a sudden, there's, ten so- there's a 10-song album that drops and half of the album is already out. Right, and it's really just kind of to like collect together these collections so that they last longer, kind of in the time frame of of, of a band. But you know, it's never going to die. But in terms of value, it has diminished so much. You know, I, I, we put out a full length album one time, but if I were to start over right now and I was managing a small band or a small artist, I would say never put out an album ever until you have. The right record deal. There's no point to put out an album as an independent artist ever anymore. There's wow. just not because you can't you can't capitalize on it. Uh, you can't capitalize on it, on it enough. If you're trying to grow, you have to constantly, constantly be putting out singles to maintain attention because there's so much music out there right now that it's hard to maintain people's attention span. An yeah. album release is a cash out. You can't cash out unless you're growing. So yeah. if you're if your intent is to grow, never put out an album. Put out a single every every two months, every one month. That's crazy. Don't do not put out that album until it's time to actually cash out. See, because that's that's I don't know.
1: Maybe it's the old guy in me, but like <laughs> I always thought, like when a, when a band put out an album, that was like, oh my god, we made it. Like th- we put right. out an album. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right. And now it's 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 almost a totally different mindset. Now it's like, how many songs can we put out? And if they go good, then we'll must put them all together, like you said earlier, and just put them in an album.
0: You know what I mean? Like right. So another example of it is, this is a main reason why hip-hop has surpassed rock in terms of uh, general album sales. Um, So streaming rewards frequency and consistency. Uh, So the traditional rock band schedule is every two years an album comes out. If you're a little bit bigger, sometimes every three years, and then you just tour in between. That isn't rewarded anymore because your consistency isn't there, and people lose traction. People lose connectivity with you. Gotcha. Hip hop artists, it's not—it's not a negative, but like hip hop is just easier to record. It's easier to pump out more music all the time. So hip hop guys can just drop music every two weeks all the time. Drake—it seems like Drake puts out an album every three months, yes. and like a full album that has twenty songs. And you think, how is that possible? But every release is this. Big thing. He's constantly in the news because mm-hmm. he always has a new album coming out. Yeah. No rock band can no rock no rock band can replicate that kind of productivity. But this, so this is why we're doing this whole signal singles release over five weeks or ever six weeks. Yeah, we're give it a best, shot. It's our best attempt at trying to emulate the rap release culture. The reality mm-hmm. of it is, we have an album now. We mm-hmm. would just release an album, but we're not going to do it. We're going to go. The route of what hip hop is doing, and just trying to emulate that as much as possible because they got it right. You know, there's there's a there's a rapper named Russ who up to this point has been almost entirely independent, and his he gets he gets a lot of flack all the time because he's just constantly, constantly putting out new music in these singles. I mean, it's like every two weeks, and some of it is just garbage.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's
0: just what happens when you're when you're pumping out content that that, that fast. Right. But what happens is every five or six songs that he puts out. There's one that really hits, really hits. And then they, he keeps collecting them and keeps collecting them. And then all of a sudden he drops a 10-song album after a year, and six of the songs were those hits. Mm-hmm. And it's literally, he's just like throwing products out into the wind <laughs> and just waiting for them to catch. And then when they catch, then he collects it and he puts it all out in this collection that has sales attached to it. It has the merch attached to it. That's, it has an album attached to it. So it's that's just like, so interesting. Oh, like, yeah, it's this thing where a lot of artists will trash that because he's putting out a lot of stuff that's kind of garbage. But he's just trying things. Like yeah. he is not—he has committed to not being an artist in terms of releasing and being a business. Yeah. And I mean, it's—it's it's working for him. You it's, know, he puts out all those songs that are garbage, but yet he has 13 million monthly listeners, and mm-hmm. he has paid off his. His his kids his great grandkids his great great grandkids lives forever. He wow. sold out Staples Center it, last year. Oh my goodness! Yeah. And even putting out garbage O, it, it keeps your name relevant, right? Like, especially in hip hop. In hip hop, where there's a where there's a, a culture of like, uh, uh, he sucks, she sucks. This is what I like. This is what I like. You can <laughs> put out something that's awful you're getting a lot of news for being a guy that's awful because there's people <laughs> on the other side that are defending him. There's not right. really that culture as much when it comes to rock world. Everybody's just kind of just, this mm-hmm. is what I like. Yeah. But like where there's, where there's like a volatile tone in hip-hop, he gets to capitalize on it because he puts out a, a, a massive single that really does well and then puts out the one that people hate, but then everybody that hates it's going on their podcast saying how much they hate it, and now everybody's listening to it. <laughs>
2: So you seem like but, you have a really good head on your shoulders when it comes to the business sense of, uh, of music, of the music industry. Is that something that you had to research and really study before you said, you know what, I'm going to jump right in
0: and do this as my career? I should have, but I didn't. Okay. <laughs> all, this, all this is from just uh, – we're, we're, we're the kings of listen to us when we talk about this because we did it wrong.
2: Oh, okay. So that's from like, <laughs> mistake. I,
0: I don't know anything about the, 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 the music business that we haven't figured out yet. I know exactly what to do with the stuff that we did incorrectly. Gotcha. <laughs> so,
2: okay. well, you know what? That's then. where <laughs> that comes from. <laughs> maybe that's a good thing, though, because, you know, it kind of kind of kept your passion towards the, the success and wanting to, um, you know, master the art that you're currently doing. So, you know,
0: maybe yeah, it's, there's good it's, to it's that. A, there's a, there's a level of um, naivety that needs to happen if you're going to try and make it as a career in music.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Because everybody sucks when you get started. And <laughs> sure. it's like, how, how long can you lie to yourself until you actually get good? Mm-hmm. You know how many people, there's so many people quit as you know, they quit before they get good. Now equally you have to have the talent, you have to have the work ethic to actually get good. But if you have that capability, if there's something there, you have to lie to yourself long enough until it actually ends up being good. That's an interesting way to look at it. Yeah, I mean, I, that's what I did. I was terrible. We're so bad. There's, there's, there's geez, even sink in, there's stuff that we put out that is absolute garbage. But I lied to myself long enough that now I, now when we put out songs that people say are good, and it actually has weight to it. You yeah. Know, it's just not just people showed up at the bar that were too hammered to think about whether or not songs were good. They were just hearing loud sounds.
2: Yeah. And and, D- so, and now that you started figuring things out, you know, now it's time to maybe start monetizing on some of the things. Whether it's going on tour, whether it's doing singles. And we were kind of talking before uh, we officially started the podcast, and and uh, I know you were starting to get into the streaming aspect of things. And, uh, and, and I'm sorry, you were talking about Amazon streaming, correct? Well, I was just talking
1: about any of them in general when I brought it up, but Amazon's the one I
0: use. That's why I said that example, but
2: okay. Yeah. Um,
0: So Spotify is, is 99 and a half percent of our streaming. Okay. Um, so it's, it's, it's all, it's all Spotify. The entire culture in terms of music business is all Spotify and Apple music and Amazon are just like, If if you sell some, they're great.
3: Gotcha. Um,
0: but, uh, yeah that's that's where the majority of our sales come from the way the, we were talking about how we get paid
3: for that. yeah um, right
0: it's, it's, it's counterintuitive cuz spotify is by far the worst payout system <laughs> uh, of course
2: uh-huh.
0: the, the the generalized the way it it, it is changing there's also there's, there's so many lawsuits but like
3: mm-hmm.
0: the really easy ex- the the really easy explanation that i give for how most streaming works is you don't get paid X amount per sale or per stream. You get paid your portion of the market share. So let's say a streaming service made $100 for a month. Mm-hmm. And there was 100 songs streamed that month. Your song was streamed once. So you get $10.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, it's not $10. Obviously, a they dollar. get well, no. Well, Spotify take uh, any streaming service will take the majority out. You get paid your ten percent. That's what. Oh, that's, okay. that's what I'm saying, right? But that you know, that's a varying number, right? Yeah. So and that's what it, it makes. It keeps the biggest artists that are owned by the major labels up, and keeps the the smaller artists down mm. uh, because they can. You know, if you if a label has one artist that's doing thirty million streams. Um they they're taking their percentage instead of just taking per stream, which the percentage is higher
3: right you
0: know if you have five artists that are all doing those numbers, your percentage of the market share is significantly higher than just the value that you would get off of just streaming the songs yeah and wow. equally equally you know a a small artist can have ten thousand streams in a month, but their percentage of the overall market is nothing hmm uh and there was actually a lawsuit that happened to Spotify where essentially um, what Spotify started doing was they started hiring out musicians in-house to replicate as many covers as humanly possible of the mm-hmm. songs that were streaming the most. Um, and what they would do is you know, they have control over their, uh, over their playlists and how mm-hmm. songs are popping up in your radio frequencies. Sure. Um, so what they would do is they would slide these covers in as much as possible. And what that was doing is it was taking away from the market share value of the actual song.
3: Oh, oh my gosh. gosh.
0: You, you see, wow. like, the, the, the artists that they were paying to do those covers, it was a flat rate. Right. But what it was doing, so that flat rate cost this much, but now they're taking this much away from the market share of what they would oh. have to pay out to the original song. That's dirty. That, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's a, it is a it is the dirtiest, messiest industry there is. Every I could go all day long about how uh, streaming payments don't make sense record labels make zero sense. If you if you explained the record the majority of major label record deals in 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 terms that were used in standard business instead of the music industry, you would get kicked out of every single board. Right. And that's how that's does, always been. does it make any difference um, if somebody downloads
1: a song or or buys a song. If somebody buys a song from one of the streaming services Such as like Apple Music or something like that. Do you do you get a different um, cut of that? And what if somebody downloads a song because they can stream it as many times as they want to if they download
0: it to their device? Yeah, uh, it's just. I mean, that is a way. It's just never going to happen again because Mm it's ten bucks a month to have a have every song you want on on Spotify Mm -hmm. monthly. You know, it's just that it does help. But the way we say it now is, if you want to, if you want to actually support an artist, it's merch. In your ticket, sales. Yep. Merch, ticket sales, Yeah. Merch, ticket sales. We are a Roman clothing store. That is our business model. <laughs> We're like the real business of touring in a in a rock band is being a, a clothing store. Huh. I mean, in terms of in wow. terms of the actual numbers, you know, we we've been we've we've done pretty well for ourselves in terms of streaming. We know we have over, we have over a million streams. We have a song that's uh, our our bigger single has three hundred thousand streams on Spotify. It's got you know we've got. We usually have around twenty thousand monthly listeners on Spotify. In, in, individuals okay. that seems that seems like a lot, but you know, I get a I get a thirty dollar paycheck from that one. That's not <laughs> no. you know, I sell two I sell two shirts, and now I've made that much money. Right? Yeah. yeah. You know, so that's that that is the name of the game. It is merchandise, and it is and it is tickets. So, how do
2: people get a hold of your merchandise, and how do people get a hold of when when you finally do go back on tour? How can how can they find out when you go back on tour and where you're going to be and, and wh- where they can get your merchandise?
0: Sync, sinkinband.com and then just social media. We we have all of our sales points through our social media. It's just at Sinkinband. S i n k i n. You know, we always we always post merch releases like limited runs where something's available just for five days and you can mm-hmm. just buy it right there on the Instagram page. That's that's always the best way to do that.
2: And how did you get the name "Sink In"? By the way, I was just going to say
1: that.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, um, the way it happened was, my old band was called Wings to Save, and we had our first album was called, or our first EP was called Sink In. Uh-huh. And the whole thing was, it was like a, a, it was like a the album art with a, a wolf, and it was this like metaphor for like you know literally like sinking your teeth. Like there was just like a bunch of like teeth references. Um, But the band Sink In stemmed from when my first band split up and I'm sitting at home in Pennsylvania just gutted and I'm like, I'm not done with music. I know I'm supposed to make my little impact on the world through music. How do I do this? What do I do? And like the theme of Sink In in a different format just kept popping in my head. I was just saying like, look, like if I know that my little impact on the world is going to be through music, I have no option. Other than to fully immerse myself and sink in Ah. to that, no matter what. So, like, what that what that meant for me is like, I'm the kind of person that if I'm going to go all out in something, I have to, I have to like, it's, it's throw myself in it. Mm -hmm. You know, that means something different for everybody, but for me, that literally meant sinking into just throwing myself out into Los Angeles and living in a van for a year to find the right members and to start the the, the business partnerships and everything. Like that's (laughs) that's what that meant for me. That's Um, a cool story. Yeah, but I say that all the time on on stage. Like, look, sink in means if there is something that you are called to do in this world, and I don't care whether that means garbage man, teacher, musician, whatever. If you know, I I, I truly believe that people have callings and intuitions towards what they're supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And and the vast majority of people don't pursue that because they're afraid of just jumping in. And, you know, I always say, like, you have no choice but to fully immerse yourself into that and sink in and sink into that and be the best version of it. Again, if if that means you love being the garbage man, you better be the best garbage man you can possibly Uh, be to be fulfilled in that.
2: You know what? Um, And that that means
0: fully jumping in.
2: Yeah, that that makes so much sense. And I really like to hear that outlook on life, too, because I've always said that even like – you know, even when you know, with where I work, if I were hiring staff or whatever, uh, I would be like, you know what? I don't care if you're the uh, the the cashier at Walmart. You know, if you're going to take on that job, why not be the best one there? You know, there's no reason right. why you shouldn't excel at what you're doing because uh, that just gets you into a flow of no matter what you do in life, you're going to always want to excel, no matter what level it is that you're at at the moment. No. So.
0: Mm-hmm. And, th- and those people are the most fulfilled people in life, right? Yeah. You see all those videos all the time online of people who are doing these terrible jobs, but they're, j- they're just the most amazing people. Uh, they're they're yeah. so talented at it. And you see those guys that are just working in these like mass fish factories where they can just like chop up like 60 fish in 30 right. seconds and they're just like throwing <laughs> them across. They love their job yep. because they're so good at it. They're genuine. That just, they're, like, it's, you can't be that good at something. And not be genuinely invested in it and have your joy from mm. being successful at that. Right, right. You know? Cool. That, that guy who's doing that is getting more out of his life than the person who's at the job that is of higher value to most people but is miserable and isn't that person for the job.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: So, so, so who's your uh, musical,
2: musical um, influence, I guess you can say? I'm sorry. Uh, can you say that again? Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, who is your musical influence? Like, what what led you to wanting to uh, to perform the art that you perform and 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 go the route that you're going?
0: So, I mean, I I, I listen to all sorts of stuff. I grew up in the hip hop world. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I, I listen to more hip hop than than anything. Uh, but like when when it came to actually pursuing music. It was all of like the like the punk hardcore bands that I was into in high school. Just did like trashy shows and little dive venues around sure. Central PA. I loved that. I, I like I found my identity in that. I found a new culture of people in that that were really accepting of me. Uh, uh, I was very thankful that um, for people my age who who grew up in the the music scene that I was into, Lancaster, Pennsylvania is world famous. They're some of the best metalcore and hardcore bands in the world hmm. in Lancaster, PA. It started from a band called August Burns Red. It's like a, a really technical metal band, okay? Uh, and then it stemmed to everybody. You know, they they were so big that it brought a whole culture of people with them. So all of a sudden, these bands: Texas in July, This Is the Apocalypse. Uh, like, I mean, I mean, they're, they're Ace Augustine at the time is one of my favorite bands. They they all kind of rode the coattails of this August Burns Red train and suddenly Lancaster was like literally world famous in, in this alt-metal punk rock scene. Um, I mean, there's documentaries made about it. It's wild. Just a little hmm. city in the middle of Amish country created <laughs> this entire music culture around like this whole Warped Warp Tour scene. And that's what really started it for me in terms of actually pursuing music mm-hmm. because I was seeing people that I watched from I mean, I watched August Burns Red play in a barn. Oh I was wow. fifteen. You know? And now they're they're a Grammy Award winning artist.
2: Isn't that something you know?
0: So so it made it it made it tangible. Uh and it made it exceptionally tangible for me because it wasn't in a in a in a standard music genre.
3: Mm-hmm. It was in mm-hmm.
0: something that was hard to get to to make successful anyway. And now all of a sudden there's like a whole culture of everybody who's just killing it in the, from this one place that I'm, that I'm from. That's crazy. Uh, so that made it really, it made it really tangible for me.
3: Yeah. I, I
0: saw that you shared about the chameleon club shutting down. Um, yeah. And I, I didn't know you, you, never got the chance to play there. Uh, no, we played, we played there several times. Oh, did you? I awesome. Was, okay. Yeah. Yeah. We had, uh, Right, right around when we put out our first album, we had a show there that we, you know, we sold out. We sold out the the first two floors, and it was one of the best. I mean, it was one of the, my favorite shows we ever played. That was like a special moment for me, for sure. It is. A, it was a cool little venue, wasn't it? It was. Yeah. I don't know what it was about that place. I saw a few concerts there, and I, I always enjoyed it there. It was so so close and personal, and mm-hmm. like I think I, what I made that place special is that because of the location, um you could get artists that were way bigger than a thousand cap room to come play there on a Monday night Hmm. because they just finished up the weekend. They did a Saturday and Sunday sold out in New York. And then Tuesday were they were going to play Pittsburgh. Yeah. Right. And, uh, I think the promoters there did a really good job of saying, Hey, look, we'll sell out a thousand cap room. Come play on a Monday night. You're going to be making extra money this way. Like it's just direct routing. Yeah. It your way anyway. it. It's right underway anyway. Right, you literally like we used to do these like late load ins where like most like the tour that would usually have a load in the sound check at like noon was doing sound check at like three thirty just because they were making it easier for artists because they, they was like, hey, just stop by real quick. You know? <laughs> and then all of a sudden you would end up with these shows that like the list of bands that an artist have played Million Club is absurd. Yeah, like how's that how's not even possible? On that tour alone, they were selling out eight thousand cap rooms. Wow, yeah. Well, they just they were like, hey Stop by on Monday. Mm-hmm. Stop by on Tuesday. And I think that, I think like that culture. It made it cool because then when the local bands would playing on the weekends, it felt like you were sharing. You were playing that same stage right. that somebody that was your idol was just yeah. doing before. Yeah.
1: yeah, that's awesome. Huh. Um, have, have you found? Um, I know personally, I've heard you a couple of times now on one of our local radio stations out here. Have you found yourself uh, finding any national airwaves
0: out and about? Yeah, uh, it's mainly over mainly overseas, actually. Um, oh wow, we, we do a, we do a lot of college radio. We usually we usually have a campaign of of, of around two hundred different college radio stations throughout the country that do it um, that that pull our stuff, but uh, we get a lot more traction in terms of radio in 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 the UK and in Australia. Hmm. Uh, funny. Mainly, yeah, mainly yeah, mainly because our style is more mainstream there. Okay, hmm. um, the you know the our style is the equivalent to arena rock bands out there. There's not like radio butt rock coming out of Australia. It's like the scene bands are those bands yeah. for them. So it just kind of ends up, you get a little bit more mainstream traction in, the, in those directions. Quintedown. That's cool. Yeah,
2: it's kind of yeah. funny because we we, we interviewed a, uh, well, they're, they're teenagers, but they're a country uh, duo. And uh, and and they probably mainstream more out of uh, the UK as well, which is really weird to hear yeah. like a, a country group doing that. But I guess, you know, I guess out there all music is appreciated a lot more than in some music. areas.
0: Yeah, it's just, it's just harder in, in, in uh, the States. Um, people will say that payola doesn't exist anymore are yeah. lying to themselves. So you you just need a lot more financial backing in order to get on the regular radio and states. Yeah. Did you get a chance to tour overseas at all? Not yet. Uh, Okay. That was was kind of hopefully in the cards here with this next year but that's <laughs> very much on hold right now yeah um, so uh, we're, we're, we're working on that for sure we want to be able to combine that with a with a festival run because the festivals in the UK are just
3: yeah I heard uh, you're the, 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 the,
0: that's where it's yeah. at um, mm. so we want to make sure we get to that to that platform first before we pursue that um, but it's in, uh, it's in you know that's a goal of, of ours for sure
2: that's, that's awesome. awesome yeah wow
0: were you gonna say something else howie because I had another thing
2: Oh, go ahead. Go ahead.
0: Okay. I thought you were
1: going to ask something. Um, so I wanted to get to the bottom of this whole – I don't even know how you say it uh, – skirt or whatever that is. It or... oh, <laughs> has man. to be some
0: sort of inside joke, doesn't it? Yeah. So it's in, uh, it's in our song called Ghost, which is by far our most popular song. And at the drop of the song, we found – we were just literally just in the studio just sifting through just sample packs of just vocalizers. Because in that song, there's, like, on the snare of the bridge, we, we layered kids yelling hey over the snare. And we blended, <laughs> oh to, we, we blended it together to make it, a, like, it kind of gives it this ambient tone. Yeah. Um, so we were just in sample packs just searching for the right hay. And we're just kind of sifting through, just listening to these. Literally, you're just listening to everyone. It's just hey, 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 stuff. <laughs> and we kind of got into like this hip hop package of um, ad libs for hip hip hop songs. So, and one of the ad libs was this guy literally just Skirk! that was, all, it was really really loud. Uh, so in ghost, in ghost, that is in the drop of the song. Just this guy. A lot of a lot of people think it's I uh, think it's one of us. It was like, just like I did I thought trending, it was gonna use Right. It was, it was this trending thing uh, on on Twitter for a while of who do you think was doing the skirt? Because like live we would perform it and none of us did it. The crowd does it. <laughs> and everybody funny. everybody like on that tour, everybody was waiting to see who's the person who does it, and none of us ever do it. Because um, it was just this That's style. great. People like people for a long time now have been asking for the a skirt shirt. Uh literally. Well, I saw you just to... dropped it. Yep. Yeah. So for Hall- for Halloween we did this like hot pumpkin bleached shirt. Uh, you know, like like the really popular shirt that just has the ampersands all over it, just blank and blank yeah. and blank and blank. So we did that, just Halloween themes. So just did, like like ghosts and riffs and sink in and skirt. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's great. <laughs> So but, that's on, this, a, on a shirt now. It'll probably be on a bunch on a bunch more. So does this guy when he
1: set when he does this loop or whatever when he does these voices? Like if somebody uses that, like you guys did in that song, he gets some sort of proceeds from that. I would imagine, right? Uh, it's
0: just no. It's, it's or does he get a flat rate just for dude using his voice on the on the on the loops? So whoever formulated the sample pack does the, the, whatever business is on that end. Gotcha. would have just been the person that was actually that actually made the sample pack. Mm-hmm. But sample packs, uh, sample packs are a flat rate and they're licensing free. Gotcha. So, you know, you can go online and buy hip hop ad lib pack five. <laughs> yep. You know, and it's twenty bucks, and it gives you three hundred sounds that are licensing free. You know those sounds before you buy them? Uh, no, not really. Really? <laughs> it's not. It's, no, it's not us who buys them it's producers producers have have all okay the I, got I got you i got you that was just we were literally just sifting through gigs and gigs of files that our producer just had lying around in his computer and just found some stuff
1: awesome does wow. um i i guess that leads me to speaking of producer um are you guys independent at this point uh in terms of a record label yeah yes
0: Uh, we we were signed initially to uh to it to a label to put out our first album and it was uh it was a disaster zone we signed a deal with it with a mid-level that had a had a tarnished name um we you know we kind of said well let's ask for an absurd deal uh because if not we're already sketched out and they Mm -hmm. said yes to this absurd deal (laughs) Like, oh, never mind. Maybe this is something that we pursue because this is not a deal that anybody our level is being offered right now. It was essentially a tiered deal where depending upon how many albums we sold first week, mm-hmm. uh it it then allotted our budget moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um and we knew we were gonna sell a lot better than they expected. So um the album dropped and it did sell way more than expected. I mean, it was the number one heat seekers album in the Northeast that's like independent records, yeah. it was like mm-hmm. ten. Top ten independent record in all Spotify. It, it did very well for us, uh, and it was it sold beyond, well beyond any of the tiers that we agreed upon in the in the contract. Mm-hmm. And they just they just buried it. They just we never got the money. Hmm, get um, out of here. We had, to, we had to lie about music video budgets just to try and get just to try and get some money for ourselves to pocket. You know, we, we for our music video we literally honestly we literally just had a buddy make a music video for us for free and we lied and said we paid eight grand for it so that oh, all wow. of us could have rent all of us could have rent money for the month um, oh my gosh it so literally had how do they get how do they get away with that though if you guys signed a contract um so it's just how the music industry works it's done in ways. <laughs> so like they so when it comes so for, people know the term advances Right, you get an advance mm-hmm. before an album. This is, you know, this is how much you're going to get, and then you got to make it as an album. Well, advances have to be returned with interest. That's not mm. gee, that's not take home money ever. So, um, and the same thing, and the same thing happens when it comes to investments within the label. Now, you may have a deal that says like, if we invest X amount. You have to only pay back 50% because we're still getting paid on on your totals, but a lot of times it's 100%. So you have to pay a label back in full before you see, you know, it, it may say, you know, you might have a 70, 50, 70 30% split when it comes to royalties. Mm-hmm. You don't get that until you pay them off 100%. And Mm. as long as they're finding ways to bury money within the books, you may never get back to a hundred percent.
3: Oh my gosh.
0: So like for us, it was, it was getting buried in the books. So they would tell us that we were getting a print ad in a magazine and it cost three grand, but they, the print ad comes out and it's an ad for five different bands on the label on the same page. But they ran, but they ran the numbers in the books of being the total cost of the ad five times. Hmm. Oh my gosh! And we're never going to make that back.
3: No.
2: Does that make you hesitant? Does that make you hesitant to uh, ever join a label in the future or stay independent?
0: So it's hard um, because we're always hesitant. But an unfortunate thing with our specific style is that there is a barrier of entry for when it comes to record labels mm-hmm. uh, and and success moving forward. Because you know any any pop artist, any hip hop artist, can put out a song on SoundCloud and it can go. It can have the level of viral that uh, an artist has to take you on tour. You know, it just you just you have a little bit more control over there. Um, mm-hmm. The labels and booking agents in our scene, I think like to keep the the door shut as much as possible. So when it comes to tours that are really successful, it's very rare that you see an artist that doesn't have a connection either via a label management agency or booking agency with the headlining artist. Mm -hmm. They're taking care of their own, which is fine. But, like if you have aspirations of getting to that level, it is way harder to do it on your own in that scenario because of how you have to make money off of touring. So right. we have to we have to get on those tours. You know, if I want to tour with blank band and like I know this is gonna make us X amount of dollars and this is gonna take us to this next level, I have to do whatever it takes to work with their man, with their agencies in order to get that opportunity. Right. Or you have to pay for it outright. You know, buy ons are a real thing where you oh. know it says I mean, we've, we've gotten offers from, you know, I mean, we've, we've gotten the offer that says, hey, you can go and do 20 dates with We the Kings, but it's going to be $24,000. Or <laughs> you you meet at six for, for two weeks, and that one's $30,000. Oh, and that's my just gosh. Flat, yeah, and you're not getting paid. That's just, here's $30,000, you get to go play these shows now. Hmm. And uh, set up yeah. your merch and hopefully get some of it back. Right. So, wow. if you want, if, uh, you know. So we know that we have to sign the right deal in the genre that we're at, at least for the next step. Yeah. Beyond that, I think a lot of bands are having success, and once they get to that next tier, to then go independent after like two albums, sure they can just start cashing out on their own because they have the they have the connections and they have the growth that they need. Sure. Right. For us, uh, so we 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 know that we need to have the right team in order to make the next the next jump. So and we're working on that right now. Uh, you know, I've been having a bunch of meetings with. In regards to these new songs, there they're, are these new songs are really just our shopping point mm-hmm. um, in terms of business, and we're going through that right now, and it, it is it is hell and a half, especially right now during the during the quarantine because nobody knows what. I mean, it's hilarious the amount of meetings I've had, and I've heard somebody that I've like idolized in the business literally go, "Yeah, I have no idea what we're doing. We're losing so much money, and I don't know what to do." Mm. You know, Ugh. so um, it's weird, but it's where we're at right now.
1: It's probably mostly um really hard for the for the artists such as yourself that are you're 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 almost there, you need to get over that hump
0: there yet, and now this happens and now what? You know? So it it but, it could go one of two ways. I think that this I think that uh I think that the entire pandemic is going to uh really allow the great artists to get creative and, and expand, and it's going to divide the ones who probably wouldn't make it over a five-year period, and mm-hmm. then they're going right. to decline faster. It's really uh, going to—it's going to separate people a lot faster. It's going to weed them out well, I, basically.
1: Yeah, I almost said that when you were talking earlier about when you were setting up this whole uh, six-week single release type deal. Um, I don't know if the quarantine helped per se, but did it? Did it? <sighs> help in the way that it might have gave you a a way to step back and kind of look at everything from a long picture that you might not have thought about before you might have just kept going, going, whatever you were doing. And now you got a chance to step back and think about things
0: a little bit differently. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, You know, the, the, uh, it forced us to get better at our weaknesses that we knew we had and we weren't getting better at them fast enough.
1: And actually giving you the time to do it.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, for example, like our our social media is terrible in terms of our in terms of our total numbers because we we were just a DIY like hustle bar band. That's where we started. Mm-hmm. You know, we sold more albums first week than we had followers on on Instagram. Okay. You know, and then we so yeah. So we grew we grew a Facebook page that had you know it was like twelve thousand people that were pretty active. But now Facebook's dead. Hmm. And you know so like so we had you know we have twenty we had when we started this, we had 20, 25,000 monthly listeners on Spotify. And we only had 2000 followers on Instagram. Oh my gosh. You know, we had to, we had, to, we have to get better at that. Um, and that's like, that's just terrible. Like it's <laughs> terrible. So uh, like, I literally gave me the opportunity to be like, all right, I'm going to be this Instagram guy now that is just constantly creating content uh, and backlogging content. Like we haven't really released a ton of ton since this started, but I've just been making nothing but content. So once we start rolling out these songs, we're going to have a different video every single day coming out on on Instagram that has something related to the band, you know, Mm -hmm. we're going to, we just have this backlog now of all this stuff that we wouldn't have usually been able to have the time to make. So for sure, that is up.
3: Wow. That's
2: awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it is. So, so we can obviously – we can find you on uh, all your social media sites. So maybe we need to help build that up a little bit for you so that you can <laughs> yeah. uh, get, your, get your way right. out there. But, yeah, I mean look look, uh, Ty
0: Eshelman up on uh,
2: Sync In and that's spelled yeah, – It's, out- it's Sync In Band, right? Yes. Oh, is-
0: every, every, everything on socials is at Sync In Band. Okay. Spotify, Amazon, wherever you get your music, you can just search Sync In. Uh and follow us on on any of those any of those services because we're going to be putting out a bunch of new stuff coming up, and that's the best way to keep track of us for sure.
2: Okay. And and what I like about you, Ty, is you sound like you really and and Troy, you'll I know you'll get a kick out of this a little bit because I think this is our this is seems I know where you're going. Be, yeah, it seems <laughs> to be the motto we go with everything. But you you just seem like uh, you you have a true passion towards towards uh, your product and towards your your dream and. And it's really cool to interview people like you because I, I just like I like to see your wheels spin while you're talking, and you know it's almost you know it's almost like I'm seeing it develop right in front of my eyes, and it's kind of cool to watch, you know, watch someone who you know, yeah, you still have a ways to go, but I I do see some success already there, if if that makes sense, and uh, yeah, and at least you have enough that you can survive on to the point, you know, and I'm gonna say. Pre and hopefully post COVID, you know, it sounds like you're gonna have enough to at least survive and make ends meet just based on your product, and uh, and then, you know, one day you're gonna get to that next tier, like you say, you know, and once you get to that yeah. next tier, then uh, you know, sky's the limit, I guess. So it's really cool to see well, somebody well, do that.
0: I appreciate that. I, I think. I think the number one takeaway when it comes to my story and how how I've gotten to where I'm at right now is literally just work ethic Mm. because I I'm not somebody that was born with the talent. I'm not somebody who's been born into the money to fund it. Not somebody that's been born into the connections needed to make it happen. Um, You know, and we're still, look, we're still hustling. We're still at the, we're still, we're five, five years deep from this and we're still Mm -hmm. in the early stages. But like, I, if if you would have asked me when I was 17 years old, would I have been able to play in all 48 states multiple times over? If I would have been able to have, you know, we have, what what is it now? Between YouTube, Spotify, it's like six million listens on our songs. If we would have been able to play, you know, we've had the opportunity to play some festivals that were that I, I can't, like I grew up going to, And and just aspiring to be on those stages and to just have a moment of controlling several thousand people in in terms of they're going to enjoy the next half an hour. You know, like I never, Mm -hmm. if you would have asked me that at 17, I never would have thought that was possible. But, and it just, I think that's just a testament to work ethic. Yeah. Like if you, again, if you find the whatever calling it is. And, and you feel that tug constantly, you have to jump into that and put mm-hmm. the work ethic into that because that that's where our Georgian life comes from. Right. Like, I, I don't, if, if people saw the amount of hours that I put into uh, my music career on a weekly basis, you know, that's an 80-hour work week every single week since mm. I was 18 years old. Mm. But it doesn't feel like it because I love that. Exactly. I love waking up, and I love waking up getting a pot of coffee, sitting down, opening up and going through emails for 3 hours. Mm. I love it. I love it now because I love it because it's like selling my art form that I lo- that I that right. I love to make. Like that's that's the, there's nothing better than that for me. So I don't mind those hours because I'm finding the joy in what I love to do. So I think that yeah, I think that's just the takeaway from 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 my story is that if you find something that you love to do, not only jump into it 100%, but Find that work ethic for it,
3: because
0: mm-hmm. if you can, if you can lie to yourself for long enough, you'll eventually get pretty good at
1: it. Yeah, definitely. And not and not just jump in, but sink it. Sink in. There you go. <laughs>
0: That's
2: right. That's right. Well, hey, it was really great meeting you, Ty. And uh, wow, uh, what a cool story you have. I, I like I like how you ended up in Los Angeles. I'm thinking, man, you got some kind of break where somebody you know where you had to move to Los Angeles because this record label was going to, you know, sign you there and you know it's kind of cool to hear that story and then not only that but your your family follows you out there you know so you must have sold it you must have sold the oh, idea yeah. of Los Angeles living pretty, out there
0: it's a pretty it's a pretty sellable place man it's yeah. i look like, we the the reality of it is we are going through some tough stuff out here right now there's there's you know sure. it's the pandemic is tough because of the pandemic mm-hmm. the usual things that that you don't t- that you take for granted every day have not been operating i.e. Right. like you know street cleaning the city's a mess Ooh. right now oh, you know just geez. little stuff like that right like yeah. you don't you don't think about we're going through some tough stuff there's the 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 politics behind the issues like homelessness and everything right now is completely absurd in la but, yeah. but man i i love i love being in a place where it's one of the only places in the world where you can wake up in the morning, go surfing, go have lunch in Hollywood. And then that night go snow snowboarding. Oh, geez. But that's that's absurd. And yeah. people do it every day. that is day of crazy. Life. That is they, crazy. Every day of their lives. So, you know, I mean, I'm literally, I'm sitting by the pool in a hundred degree heat and I could drive 45 minutes that way. And I'm going to be in snow.
2: Isn't that. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> you can't beat
0: that. And you're not
2: far you from Vegas, right?
0: No, <laughs> no, not at all. I'm like, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm ten, I'm ten minutes, fifteen minutes of traffic away from, away from Hollywood. I, you know, it's a half an hour away from the beach. Any, any direction. I, yeah,
2: I love it. I love yeah, it. Yeah, life sounds good for you, Ty. So. Yeah.
0: As long as you don't ask me about the the forty seven hundred dollar rent, then we're then we're good.
1: Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, good
2: point, good point. But hey, you know what? As long as you're hey. waking up with a smile on your face, that's what matters.
1: Yep, and uh, you, you keep uh, driving the way you're driving with your band, and uh, that forty seven hundred dollar rent's going to be nothing to you guys soon. Yep, that's the goal. And that's you, the, yeah, absolutely.
2: And you know what? I'll say this with everybody that uh, that we talk to that, that plays in a band. When you guys make your way out to, uh, you know, central Pennsylvania and you need a couple guys to introduce you on stage, you know, hey. You know, I wouldn't mind I wouldn't <laughs> mind uh, having the, the NBMCs for the night. That's right. Why not? Why absolutely, not? <laughs> absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Uh, like I'm, I'm, I'm proud of you. I'm glad you're doing good. And uh, I, I wish you the best. I wish you got your band the best. Um i have you guys on my list i mean every once in a while when i'm just shuffling through my songs you guys pop up and it's good to hear you
2: yep and you got a new fan here as well
1: so uh (laughs) i
0: appreciate you guys thank you so much this is fun chatting Mm -hmm. Uh, i i enjoy this stuff for sure
1: awesome absolutely man that was (laughs) Todd. he's awesome right
2: he is he is he's uh he was actually fun to talk to and uh uh, he seems like a very matter-of-fact type of person, you know. And yeah, someone someone of his age. In fact, you know what? I don't think I ever asked him his age. Do you know his age?
1: Um, that's a good question. Um, I'm trying to think back to when when I was working at the school and first kind of met him. Would have been 2002. So 18 years and, ago, and they would have been they would have been in second grade. So
2: so he's probably um, early to mid 20s then
1: i would imagine somewhere around there yep Yeah. probably okay. 20 well second grade you're what seven somewhere around yeah, there so 18 years so later. 2002 95 so 25 ish yeah. yeah
2: okay yeah. well good for him uh, you know he's kind of realizing his dream which is uh, you know to be in a in a band and uh And he's living in his dream location, which is Los Angeles. Like he said, you know, where else can you go surfing in the morning and snowboarding in the
1: evening? Yep. You know, so. And it was funny to hear in that interview that this wasn't always necessarily his dream either. You know? Yeah.
2: And and not only that, but he said he wasn't, you know, he, he couldn't sing to save his life, really. Yeah,
1: he said when he first started, he was just screaming, and he was in a metal band because that's what he you thought you do in a metal band—you just <laughs> scream and and uh, and then he found out there's a lot more substance to it. And he actually said in some in a lot of cases that it's actually harder to be in some of them bands because not only are you screaming, but there's a you know a, a method to the way you're singing while you're screaming. Like, oh yeah. So
2: Well, you know what? Uh being a baseball coach, Troy, <laughs> I know what that's all about. You know, you can be screaming <laughs> you can be screaming for three hours long and at the end of that three hours, man, you really like if you're not taking care of your voice and your and mm-hmm. and whatever, you're really drained. You're drained yeah. and also your your horse and uh it's just yeah, it's not an it's not an easy it's not as easy as, it, as you think to just be a screamer, I guess. Yeah.
1: Well, so. I'm thinking of, and then uh, speaking of coaching, you know, he's, his dad being a basketball coach, and, and that reminded me of something. Uh-huh. Um, I remember learning basketball coaches, when they would yell or scream, they would never scream out to the floor, or out to the, to the uh, game. They would always scream down to the floor. Oh. Because it bounces off the floor, and it goes out, and it's easier to hear that way.
2: Oh, wow. Okay, I never even I never even thought of that. Yeah, okay. And where'd you learn that? So I don't that? know if
1: they all do that. Um, one of the old basketball coaches. Uh-huh. Um, do you remember uh, Mr. Freiler? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He was the one that told me that. Oh, he, would, okay. he would always yell down at the floor. Huh. Um, wow, because the sound would travel better. I don't know. He probably learned that from Bobby Knight or something. Yeah,
2: pro- yeah, because he was an
1: Indiana <laughs> fan, wasn't he? <laughs> That's, yeah, he was yeah. a little bit of a Bobby Knight nut. Yeah, he was.
2: Uh, yeah, he, some could say he was a little bit of a nut all around. <laughs> 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 Former police officer, he was actually shot in the line of duty. Was he really? Yeah, I did not know yeah, that. Yeah, he was. Yeah, um, so, he retired I, I, just a couple years ago. By the way,
1: did he? He um, during my study halls a lot of times. Um, if I didn't have anything going on, I would go down and be a gym helper. Oh, okay. That was what I, I used to like to do. That just to, so he was the first one that that actually gave me that opportunity, and then as I moved up out of the junior high ranks, um, Stoddard, Mr. Stoddard, gave me the opportunity. Then, so oh, nice. So I'd always, yeah. So I was kind of good with the gym teachers; they were always cool. So. Yeah, definitely.
2: Well, yeah. Well, my gym teacher was my bas or my
1: baseball coach. So, <laughs> uh, Mr. Ludwig. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before he moved into the athletic role, no, he, athletic was, he was athletic director. Athletic director, even. More. Oh, was he <laughs> doing both? Uh huh. So he was doing. He was gym teacher, athletic director, and baseball coach. Yes, he was. My gosh! I know. <laughs> yeah,
2: um, actually, you know, all out of all of the coaches I ever had, he was probably the one I've learned the most from. Mm-hmm. So uh,
1: was he? Um, as an athletic director, he always seemed so laid back and mellow.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: He,
1: I, can't, I can't imagine him being the same way in the baseball field. Was he? Um,
2: no, I mean, he was very, laid back. he he was very even demeanored during the game. Like you never Mm -hmm. saw him get into it with a umpire too much. Like there were little bits of bickering here and there with an umpire, but he never got to a a point where he looked out of control (laughs) and, uh, now how he talked to us after a game, if we had a bad game, he didn't, Mm -hmm. he didn't yell at us like a typical, like, um, uh, some coaches would. Sure. But he would talk to you in a way where you're like, oh, man, I feel so ashamed right now. <laughs> you know? <laughs> uh, but, yeah, he was able to get his point across without going to that extra extreme where me, yeah. me as a baseball coach, I'm a little bit different in that sense. You know, I've been thrown out of two games as a coach. <laughs> <laughs> and I've even been thrown out of a game as a player. and. Well, uh, I –
1: yeah, I know we got down a little bit of a rabbit hole here. Yeah, we did. We spoke about coaching, and that's fine. But I, I you talked about being thrown out, yeah. and my stepson was in a game, and they play this team from Higgins, and
2: and what sport is this, by the way?
1: Baseball. Oh, okay. And I'm just sitting there as a parent, and the coach of the Higgins team is literally sitting there belittling his own team about plays that they're making and bad plays oh, and whatever, right? Yeah. And I, all I do is I'm like. And these are like you know eleven, twelve year old kids, maybe maybe even some ten year olds. And I'm like, like dad, like take it easy on your players there, like you yeah. know. And I get thrown out of the game. You got for, thrown out <laughs> <laughs> for sticking up for the other player, <laughs> the other team's players.
2: Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> I can't uh, believe it. <laughs> that's too funny. Where and and this, this was ben in the Higgins. To, oh yeah. wow. What a joke! Like what was like I can't seriously. It. <laughs> so what they do? So, did you have to go to the parking lot. Is that what
1: they? I went behind the center field fence and watched the rest of it. No, oh, jeez. Like...
2: <laughs> now what was going through your head at the time? Were you like feeling ashamed? Like oh my. Well, gosh, I, can't I, I, see I didn't what know.
1: Happened. Like I wasn't really ashamed because I I didn't feel I did anything wrong. Yeah, you were doing like, what this... was right. I'm like. Like, I, I couldn't believe this coach was talking to his kids this way. Like, I just couldn't yeah. believe
2: it. Now, did you have any of the Higgins' parents, like, support you, or...?
1: No, because I didn't really know any of them, oh, and they didn't okay. know any of me. And and to be honest, I think that might have been where the umpire goofed up, because there was a lot of kind of bickering back and forth. Yeah. And I think he might have thought I was saying something negative about their team.
2: Uh, but in fact,
1: I was trying to stick up for their Yeah. Team. <laughs> so... <laughs>
2: Oh, yeah and i coach. was
1: the, and i and i was the second one to get thrown out of our parents in that game so
2: so, so the umpire so you weren't even a coach no now i don't no. know if you know this but umpires and i'm an umpire so i that's why i know this mm-hmm. but umpires cannot throw out spectators you're kidding me nope dead serious yep they are, they really? cannot, yeah they cannot and i put in quotes they cannot legally throw out a spectator. Now, what I've done as an umpire was I would kind of freeze the game mm-hmm. and be like, you know what, I'm, and I would go over to the coach and be like, hey, you know what, I, you guys really need to get that parent out of here um, yeah. before it gets too much worse. And I'll be honest with you, I'm not going to start this game because I feel like that it, it could be a safety concern. And, mm-hmm. and I said if and if it goes too long to the point where we have to forfeit, you're going to end up losing. Right. So that's that's how I would get the coach to get rid of that parent. But I could not mm-hmm. physically, I could not personally throw that person out. Hmm. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah,
1: yeah. I never knew that.
2: Yep. Now you do. Now you can go to a game and just start heckling the umpire see what happens.
1: <laughs> Is that the same for, um, I guess that's the same for everything, like even school sports?
2: Oh, yeah. Yep.
1: Hmm. <clears throat> That's crazy. Yeah, it is. So, yeah, it's, 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 at that point, it's the school's responsibility to get rid of that person. Yeah, it's
2: the school. Yeah, because it's the property owner, so to speak.
1: Okay. It's their
2: responsibility. I, I don't have any control over what the parents do or don't do. That's not mm-hmm. my jurisdiction. You know, my jurisdiction is what's in between the lines and, and the dugouts.
3: So
1: yeah, how, how hard is that? I, again, I know
3: uh-huh. we're
1: going to get to tie. I promise we are. Um, <laughs> but how hard, how hard is that when um, – you have somebody heckling you like that or whatever yeah does it make you want to give them a bad call or, or if there's a or if there's a close call to maybe not put it their way do you know what i'm saying you know what
2: I, with me it really doesn't um i i find entertainment in it okay and uh and I'll, I'll give you an example i was doing a game it was a national tournament it was a big deal you know, kids paying $1,500 per kid to play in a weekend tournament, you know, so they can get noticed by scouts and whatever. Wow. So, so it's pretty high intensity. And no matter mm-hmm. what call I make, there's going to be somebody that just doesn't like me because it's not going for their team. Mm-hmm. And uh, But there was this one fan, and the fan you can just tell was so illiterate when it came to baseball. You know, some of the things that he was trying to say and scream out, and he was just – Screaming at me the whole game long.
1: So, Come on, that was a touchdown, man! Yeah, yeah
2: exactly, <laughs> exactly. You know that should have been a post pattern. That was a penalty. Um, but uh, yeah. Um, so so it was around the third or fourth inning, um, in between innings, while the other team was warming up, uh, pitching, and so forth. I go mm-hmm. over to that parent's side of the field, and I I literally go into the stands and I sit next to him. And I'm just watching the I'm watching the pitcher throw, and I turn to him. And I'm like, "Oh yeah, you are right. You do have a much better vantage point than I do." <laughs> and then I just get up and walk away, and then go back to the umpire. <laughs> and and it really loosened it loosened up all the fans around him because they kind of laughed at it, and uh, uh-huh. and you know, and I didn't hear the the, the heckling anymore after that. So, really? Yeah, because I was like, you That's- know what, guys. Uh, I used to be a freaking bounty hunter. What you're going to say and do to me isn't going to really bother me too much. (laughs) Uh, And what I would always tell all the coaches before every game, you know, I would be like, hey, I just want to let you guys know, I might not be the best umpire. In fact, I might even be the worst one you ever had. uh, Or I might even be the best one you ever had. I don't know. I said, but the one thing you're going to get is consistency from me. So mm-hmm. I'm going to be consistency from the first inning. I'm going to be consistent from the first inning to the last inning, mm-hmm. and uh, so you'll be able to judge me by that first inning. And uh, if if you see me calling bad, then you better adjust to bad. If you see me calling good, stick with your game. So <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So, but yeah. So back to tie.
1: But, but anyway, back to tie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: Yeah, so Ty, Ty's uh, and we kind of got into that rabbit hole because Ta- Ty's dad's a basketball coach. In yep. fact, he's even coaching in Los Angeles now.
1: Yeah, it's funny that they they were going to move to Los Angeles. I love that story too. That oh, I, do too. I do get too. Getting ready to go tell his dad and his stepmom and stuff. Yeah, we're going to move to Los Angeles. And as they get there and are getting the courage up to say this, his parents were like, "Well, we're going to move to Los Angeles." <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, okay. Well, that's I, what we were coming to
2: tell you. <laughs> now, could you imagine, like, just turning to your wife and and kids and be like, you know what, guys, why don't we just pick up and move? Have you ever, like, even thought of
1: that? Not to that extent, no. No. No, No. like, Um, yeah, I
2: mean, pick up and move, you know, in in my world is like picking up and moving 20 miles from here, if that, you know. Yeah, yeah, Uh, that's,
1: like, you know, even when we moved back to the area we're in now again, I mean, it was a little bit of a discussion. It wasn't just, like, Hey, you know, we, you know, we really like that area. Like, let's just go move there and see what happens. Right. And it's funny that you say that because we actually literally just had a friend that did that. <laughs> um, they, her parents live um, in Florida. OK. And they would go to visit them for a couple of years. And then all and they kept talking. Like, we should move to Florida. We should move to Florida. Sure. And then all of a sudden she's just like, you know what, I'm just going to apply for a job. And if I get it, we're moving. Nice. <laughs> and that's exactly what happened. She yeah. applied for a job. She got it. OK. They're in the midst of selling their house. And, wow. you know, the, the, the husband's still living back this way um, until the house sells. Yeah. But Yeah. <laughs> you
2: see that a lot with like engineering families. You know oh yeah um, yeah like uh folks who are engineers they they tend to move a lot and it's usually because of work related yeah or whatever their next project yeah. is or whatever right yeah so yeah because uh, my my wife's family um her her uncle is an engineer and uh mm-hmm. he, was, he was a bridge engineer of all things and okay. uh and he and and her brother-in-law come to think or my brother-in-law i should say as well but um but yeah, they they would just pick up and move, and uh, like I, that's how I went to. We were talking earlier before the podcast about what stadiums I got to visit. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. You know, I got to visit Cincinnati Red Stadium is because they were living in the Cincinnati area, so mm-hmm. to a game when we went out to visit them, and they were they went they were moved they were living in Canton, Ohio, mm-hmm. and then from Canton, Ohio to Cincinnati, and now um and i think they lived in st louis and i mean all over the place and now they live here in uh, pennsylvania of all places yeah so, uh, but yeah it's kind of
1: it's, it's a cool thing like if you're into that lifestyle and you're and you don't really want to settle down per se yeah because um, it's kind of hard to settle down if you're moving around like that it really is it is you know it is and not just settle down in the sense of like have a home and build a home there but i mean settle down um, have your kids have some stability you know, Mm -hmm. get a group of friends that you really trust, like, that's got to be hard, too, you know? Yeah,
2: oh, yeah, yeah, because it's, it's probably not going to be out of the realm for me one day to um, pick up and move down south, because, yeah, I remember you saying that, yeah, yeah, I mean, I really, I really have an interest in, like, the Tennessee area, or even North Carolina area, Um, Mm -hmm. I just want to, I don't know, I just, First of all, I don't like the winners anymore.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The winners are getting a little old. I agree. Yeah.
2: Yeah. As I get a little old, so are the winners. And uh, Yeah. Yeah. So it's just, you know, whatever. But, but, yeah. uh, but so, Ty doesn't have to deal with that, does oh he? Oh, my gosh. No. And what was he saying? It was like 100 degrees while he, we were talking to him? I'm pretty
1: sure that's what he said. Yeah. yeah he's, I'm pretty sure he said he's sitting there. He said I wouldn't be sitting here in 100 degree heat if I didn't enjoy it or whatever.
2: So.
1: <laughs> yeah. 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 More power so. to him.
2: I mean, I don't think California. I, is the place I would go for, well, really anything, to be honest with you, from what I'm seeing with government and uh, and the uh, cost of living and, mm-hmm. and such. But, you know, but it's not about cost. It's not about money all the time, you know. It's about passion and what you want to do and where you want to be. Mm-hmm.
1: And, and to be honest, um, you know, in, in, the, in the field that he's in,
2: it's probably, it can't be a
1: bad thing to be there. No,
2: it's probably a perfect location yeah. for him as far as, rubbing elbows with certain people and so on
1: yep yeah so, so um yeah i really enjoyed the interview um it's and like i said before it really seems like they have a nice path on how they want to do this yeah so be, be on the lookout wherever you you get your music um they're they're going to be starting to release some signals here pretty soon he said he's going to probably do it in like six week increments so be on the lookout you're going to keep seeing new music from them um all their social media is at Sinkin Band. So whether that's Instagram, Twitter, mm-hmm. Facebook, whatever, find them. And uh, their website is sinkinband.com. dot com. Yeah. So please look them up. Uh, they do have something on there too, where you can sign up for a, a text delivery. Um, you you go to the website, you put your band in, or you put your your you text whatever to this number, and then you get updates. Especially mm-hmm. like when they start touring again, I think you'll probably get updates. As to um, what their schedule is going to be like, or how you can find their schedule, that yeah. type of thing.
3: And
2: if you look at their touring, I mean, they're they're all over the country. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah. Uh, and,
1: it, and he said he was really hoping to uh, to hit overseas, mm-hmm. um, but unfortunately, when they had planned on doing that, the pandemic hit. So yeah. Yeah. Um, so. But yeah, they have live links to their videos and stuff on there on their uh, they have st- this is where you can get all their merchandises on their sinking uh, band website and uh, they got actually they actually got some sales right now going on on some of their merchandise too so check it out mm-hmm. um, I, I mean, here I see a shirt or here's a CD for five bucks oh
3: cool
1: um, yeah um, they have some shirts that are normally thirty bucks down to twenty bucks there's even one down to ten bucks um so yeah check out their website grab some merchandise um this is a rough time for them obviously i mean they're getting by but um they they can't do what they normally like to do they can't go out and tour they can't go out and set up their stands for merchandise so if you can support them by going to their website and buying a shirt or two that'd be great i'm sure they'd truly appreciate
2: that oh i'm sure most definitely And, and not only that but when you do uh when you do like them on their social media or whatever let them know that you heard it here
1: Absolutely. You know, yeah. and uh,
2: and actually, you know, I I really thought I wasn't going to enjoy their music. I really did because I thought it was going to be kind of like a little bit punk rockish, mm-hmm. um, which really isn't my style. But as I was listening to it, particularly that song Ghost um,
0: mm-hmm. that
2: you heard on the uh, mystery clip, uh, I was really impressed with the, the quality of their mm-hmm. music and, uh, and the quality of his singing because I was expecting... This guy wasn't going to produce a good singing voice, especially mm-hmm. after talking to us. I'm thinking, oh, what am I, what am I going to be listening to? You know, and then, mm-hmm. um, yeah, the guy, there are some. He territory. got it together. Yeah, he got. You know, it together. we didn't
1: ask him that, but I wonder if he went and took some vocal lessons or anything. I wonder.
2: Oh, yeah, good point. Good question.
1: Um, I'll have to ask him that sometime, and then I'm just curious out of my own. Yeah, uh, know, for ask my, him for my and own.
2: Uh, let us know.
1: So, um. We'll wrap this up by saying, um, "Boy, Braves, don't let me down in Game Seven here today. Come on, <laughs> don't, don't do this to me, guys. Uh, oh my gosh! Yeah, and Look.
2: honestly, too, I, I really would appreciate. I don't want to. I don't want to start seeing Cleveland Browns fans pop out of the woodwork either. So if <laughs> you know, if the Steelers can you know pull out a win, just to kind of keep those fans at a low level, because. They're not used to winning lately, and I have a feeling like if they start getting a taste of winning, we're gonna start seeing fans coming out of the woodwork. Um, well,
1: but to be honest, I mean, like you got to think like they're not used to winning, right? So right. even even if they would start winning, like they'd blow it. So <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. Now I will say, Bruce, one of our uh, one of our um, listeners and uh, picks of the week guy. Uh, Mm -hmm. he is a huge cleveland browns fan and he always was in fact he is from i believe he is from the cleveland area okay yeah he speaking of traveling he was a military guy so uh Uh, okay so he did a lot of travel but um but yeah he was uh yeah he's a huge cleveland browns fan so uh i'm sure he and i are gonna throw a couple text messages back and forth
1: i said that uh we, we were at a friend's house last night and uh there was a, a new couple there that we had never met before. I was talking with, yeah. And her husband her husband was a Bills fan, and I'm a Bills fan. Oh
2: wow! How and, uh, the heck? Where are you guys yeah. coming
1: from? I don't know. I don't. He's actually from the Baltimore area. So, um, really? but um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. How, I should, I didn't. I didn't ask him how I got to be. You a know Bills what? Fan.
2: My my wife's uncle. I, I think I told you is a huge Buffalo Bills fan. Mm-hmm. He's he from the. I think he was from the Baltimore area.
1: Well, maybe, maybe they were fans, before, well, they were obviously before Baltimore had a team, right?
2: Well, I guess
1: no, they yeah. had the Colts.
2: Yeah, they had the Colts.
1: So, the Colts, but then they left in what, like 83 or something?
2: Uh, you know what, I know it was in the 80s, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was
1: it was early 80s. I don't know why 83 is sticking in my head. Yeah. But anyway, uh-huh. um, I said, yeah, I said, if I was single and I ever had to do an dating app or something like that, the only description I'd have to put in is Buffalo Bills fan. Because <laughs> that... Right, it tells you everything you need to know about a guy, right? Okay, yeah, right. He's 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 loyal, right? Blue, blue he doesn't collar. expect much, like
3: yeah. <laughs> like, I mean,
1: he has low expectations.
2: Yeah, he, he walks he walks a little bit to the right.
1: <laughs> yeah, you might want to stand on his left if you're walking beside him because he might bump into you on the right. <laughs> Oh,
2: man. Uh, that poor guy. So,
1: hey, we had a little fun. Whatever.
2: Exactly. Yeah, so well, that's cool. So what it, What's what was his first name, if you don't mind me asking? Just to make sure it was uh, the James. same guy. James. Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Okay. Yeah. yeah. Very so. cool.
2: Yeah, I was going to say, I, yeah, be, before I met you, I don't think I knew any Buffalo Bills fan. Or, well, other than my wife's uncle, but uh, that was... Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, I know a few of them. There's a there's a bar up in uh, Harrisburg, the Harrisburg Bills backers area, yeah. and there's a bar up there. Um, geez, I can't even remember the name of it right now. Um, but anyway, they you know that's where they get together and watch the games every okay. Sunday. And I've always wanted to go up. I you know I consider myself to be part of that club. I message on their boards and yeah. stuff like that. Um, but I've never actually gone up to watch a game. I'd like to go up and check it out sometime. Okay, it'd be pretty cool to be in a room full of uh, you know. 50 to 100 guys or whatever and girls, Yeah, you know, they're all sitting there cheering for the same team because I've never really been part of that, so.
2: <laughs> I bet. <laughs> Not in yeah. Pennsylvania, right? So uh, Yeah, so, yeah, so uh, also, uh, there was something else I was going to say, too, along those lines, but I forgot, so. What,
3: about being a Bills
2: fan? Yeah. Um, oh, well. I'll, it'll come to me one day and then I'll have to, like, in the middle of the night, be like, Troy, I remember! So. <laughs> uh, so yeah i guess with that being said uh i guess it's a good time to close it out so yes sir um oh i know what i was gonna say uh speaking of buffalo bills there's a potential we might be uh having a special guest in the very near future and uh we
1: are hoping we have it lined up we're hoping everything works yeah. out um so we'll give you more details keep our fingers, when we yeah, find keep our out fingers sure. crossed and hope everything goes through and we'll be able to talk with him and and uh, if everything does go as planned, you'll hear from him next Sunday. Yep,
2: most definitely. So so with that being said, I hope everyone enjoyed the show. And uh, until next – well, actually until Wednesday for us, we'll do our mm-hmm. football pick show. And uh, we'll see if uh, you are still on uh, top of the uh, heap. And you know what? Based on how your week is going oh my <laughs> with the Buffalo Bills and the Atlanta Braves – uh, I'm I'm not going to bet the house on you yet, Troy.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to bet the house on myself either. So, um, <laughs> hey, if you're listening to this before the Braves game today, uh, send some good vibes my way. My gosh, it's been since '99 since we've been to the World Series. So, um, come on, man. Yeah, I, I want to get there and play them Rays. And the, the Dodgers have no motivation to go to the World Series anymore because they all they want to do is go play the Astros. <laughs> That's all they wanted, right? Yeah, right. So. So let us go play. You guys, yeah. you guys can have the Astros another time.
2: You know what? Play them in an exhibition game somewhere.
1: There you go. Right.
2: <laughs> go back to your home in L.A.
3: Exactly. Go,
2: go visit Ty. Yeah. <laughs>
3: All right. I think we're going here, out. <laughs>
2: there you go. <laughs> All right, guys. All right. Well, until Wednesday, uh, have a good one, and uh, stay tuned.
1: Thank you for listening to another episode. Please like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at StayTunedTNH, email us, StayTunedTNH at gmail.com. And uh, whichever podcast avenue you're listening to us on, Google, Apple, Spotify, Uh, please subscribe, share, rate, and review. And until next week, stay tuned.